Hey guys, really quick up top, I just want to let you know that my label, Self Center Records, is releasing an EP from Lemon Jaya, aka Josh Lim. He is one half of the Seattle Modular on the Spot. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool three song EP. And if you want, you can pre order it today and get this track that you hear playing below my voice right now. So head on out to selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. Pod Mod Bods, welcome back to another episode of the Podular Modcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Recovery Effects and AI Synthesis, and I'm going to show you a little bit of what they can do. So right now I've got the Oscilloscape from Recovery Effects, and I've got the Looping ADSR being sequenced by an LFO from Peaks, and now I'm going to feed that into the fundamental input of the Oscilloscape. So it sounds like this... It's pretty fun. And now I took the sub out from uh, the Make Noise STO, and I'm triggering the sub gate with a function, and I'm going to plug that into the oscilloscape gate in. And then I've got a sequence coming from Ornament and Crime into the 1 volt per octave of the STO, so you can hear that bleeding in. Now I'm taking the Wave Shaper output from the STO and feeding that into the Bleeding Hearts from Recovery Effects, and then that into the Cutting Room Floor from Recovery Effects. Let's bring that into the mix. Mess with that delay time. It's a little out of time with what's going on, but... I'm going somewhere with it, so stay with me. I turned up this flutter and wow. You can hear things getting really weird. Now I'm going to control the cutting room floor CV in with the random stepped voltage coming out of the woggle bug. So, right now I don't have the sequencer on the bleeding hearts engaged, but I am going to engage that, and I'm feeding that from a Pamela's workout clock. So listen to what happens when I do that. Pretty fun. Let's bring that flutter and wow up again, see what happens. Yeah, so there you have it, guys. Another really weird, noisy patch that I made for this introduction. Um, I would love to see what you guys can do with these modules. So if you have them and want to make a little patch and send it in, I would love to hear it. And if you want to check these modules out, go to recoveryeffects.com and aisynthesis.com. Thanks for listening. Episode 20. I'm excited about that. And to celebrate this milestone, I have an excellent guest for you. It's Tom Hall. And if you don't know who Tom Hall is, then I am very honored that I get to introduce you to him. He is a master modulator. He has a brand new album out called Spectra, and I highly recommend it. It is, um, it's quite an aural journey. We don't get into Tom's background a whole lot because he just did an episode of the Art Music Technology podcast with Darwin Gross, and they cover all of that, and I highly recommend it. In fact, if you haven't listened to that, I suggest you push stop now, go check that out, and then come back to this one. Yeah, so thank you, Tom, for your time. And before we get into that talk, I just want to say thank you to all you Patreon subscribers. Uh, you're really helping us keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod. And uh, yeah, with that... Let's get into it with Tom Hall. (laughs) 
Oh man. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got connected here and, and having you on. I'm I'm super stoked to to dive into yeah, this, this conversation. Um, so, I found uh, Darwin Gross's pod podcast, Art, Music, and Technology, and you were the first episode that I listened to because you were the one of the wow. names that popped out as somebody that I knew. Um, That's and, cool. Yeah, and it was a it was a great episode. And after listening to it, I was like, I need to uh, I need to rethink my format because I inadvertently kind of stole Darwin's. <laughs> I kind of do the same thing with the trying to get to know the the whole story behind how you got to where you're at. And I think rather than doing that today, because I would like to direct people to that that episode, it was it was mm. really great. They could get to know you there and and get to know Darwin's podcast. So we have a lot of overlap in listening anyway. Um, I was thinking I would like to really dive into Spectra, your latest release. Sure. Um, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, because I know I've made albums, and there's nothing that more I want to do than just totally unpack them with somebody. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, before we get to that, I do want to just I want to say that I, I noticed you were you were helping out Arteria with a drum brute. Were you like beta yeah. testing or? Yeah, yeah. I um, I've been doing stuff for those guys for uh it must be like three probably four years now okay. and uh how how did that come about i mean it came about in a few different ways like they are there's a number of their engineers they use max msp i work for cycling 74 mm-hmm. so there's that whole connection but this came about outside of cycling 74 my original connection with them and it was like I was pretty extensive user of the BeatStep Pro, right? Uh, in interfacing with the modular, and they kind of saw that, and then uh, I actually just was like, there was, you know, it was a few years ago now, and there was less of these kind of groups that um, was now. There's a group for every piece of hardware that comes out before it's <laughs> even out, you uh-huh. know. But I set up a BeatStep Pro user group and it kind of went clean off and because the beatstep pro was kind of a first of its kind of this mm-hmm. kind of like hybrid hardware that's midi and uh control voltage and you name it kind of thing um, yeah and it and it was pretty popular out of the out of the box like out of the gates and um those guys just acknowledged my effort and saw what i was up to and in i got on their radar next thing they asked me if i wanted to start beta testing stuff and I mean, everything they wanted to send me to test was pretty fun. Yeah. And then it turns out I started doing sound design for them as well. So um, I did a whole series of sound design stuff for the Buchla V project that they put together. Oh, man. And that was a blast. And they're just really good, really good folks. I mean, uh, all the guys and the girls over at Arturia, they... um, yeah, they work hard and they play hard. They're all kind of like much like folks at Cycling 74. They're all artists and creatives and they all play out live. And um, yeah, I love them. That's, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners just got green with envy. Uh, that sounds like quite a cool <laughs> setup. Um, you know, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, honestly, that... don't know how I get myself into these <laughs> situations. It, it just happens. Oh, man. Well, if you could throw me some of that luck, I'll, I will gladly catch it. Sure. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny with the, the beat step, I got it kind of early on in my modular experience and I think it was too early. I I still was wrapping my head around modular, but I saw how powerful it was and it's, it's 
it's amazing. It kind of, I got the same feeling from that, but even more so that I got from like the APC 40 with Ableton, just the way it worked mm. so well with Ableton, yeah. just yeah. what you could do with modular and then all your other stuff, like you said, with MIDI and everything. So yeah, that's uh, if, if I'm sure every listener knows what it is, but if you don't and you're getting into modular, that's a pretty sweet piece yeah, of Yeah, I mean, and they've really pushed it further than what, than where it was when it first came out. Like they added polyrhythms, uh, you know, variable step length per um, track. And then uh, they've also, you know, developed their um, MIDI control center on the computer side. So, you know, you can develop these pretty extensive sequences and setups and live sets and you can back it all up to the computer. And I mean, you can even squirt out that stuff as MIDI oh, wow. and then turn around and use it in Ableton or something like that. I mean, that's that's the versatility that I kind of demand of a lot of equipment <laughs> in my setup. Like, yeah, you know, I, I wish there was a lot more uh, event re- recall and things like that in Eurac. I mean, uh, I love it to bits, but there, there's still those frustrating moments of not being able to get back to a spot where you were. Yeah. So when I was listening to your talk, you kind of just reminded me of something with the talk you had with Darwin, you were, you were kind of discussing your use of modular and you're, you're not, you don't strictly use modular and and you're, you're happy to bring in another piece of gear if it's going to make your, your process just, you know, easier and, and, and more, and have your ideas be more accessible through what, yeah, you know. I mean, you may not get the impression from my Instagram or, you know, <laughs> such social media kind of outward facing things that I do. But, I, you know, my practice is very conceptually driven. Uh, and, you know, it's re- you know, obviously I need the I need tools to make the sound, but I'm not devoted to any singular one style of tool or, or, or even sound, actually. Um, yeah. It's really about conveying a kind of uh, emotion, uh, like you know, evocative sounds. And sometimes, you know, I often picture the sound before I get to it. Okay. Uh, or I'm chasing a sound. You know, inevitably, 99.9% of the time, I never get to the sound that I'm chasing. <laughs> Me but <neither>. I get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's just, it's, it's crucial for expression and, and it's something that I think all modular users need a good reminding of is, is we get this stuff to make music. Um, so let that sink in for a minute. Cause it's, it's really easy to dive into the, oh, I need to take everything apart and I need to trade this for this cause I need this module, but every module I've ever quote unquote needed, I you know, it didn't, it didn't quench whatever that thirst was. So I'm, I'm trying to start, uh, you know, think about it more as an instrument than it was as kind of a collection hobby. And actually another, I I get it. I mean, I totally, (laughs) I totally, there's nothing more exciting than getting a new module in the mail, but (laughs) something that's really, as you get on in your artistic career and spend more time, you know, wanting to have actual output and resolve because nothing actually feels better than releasing something and it's a resolution like you've completed something, you know, like, because uh-huh. uh, trust me, I have, I still have albums I made years ago that haven't been resolved and that's frustrating. But, yeah. um, you know, the thing that is worth remembering for me that I find is each new module you put in your case, it takes you a moment to set it up, 
then you have to work out and think about and this resonates on long after you stop giving it conscious thought is how it (laughs) integrates Mm -hmm. and it's actually distracting it distracts from the moment you put it in there distracts from that moment you were you know where you were before you put it in there I agree with you 100% it can can actually be pretty disruptive yeah I just disrupted myself what's that but um you know, so maybe I just buy cheap things from Amazon <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm not distracting myself on my system all the time. <laughs> Still get that kind of, that that kick of getting a parcel in the mail, but... Oh, man. Um, well, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, I mean, one of the pros, of the, I'm very fortunate. I've been a Max user for, well, f- over 15 years now, just on 15 years, and something, having that kind of, um, feather in your cap is is a good way because you know you have unlimited VCAs so to speak. So you know, of okay. course, I I have no. I can go and make an entire album on the modular, and I have one actually that I've made, and it should be coming out in the not too distant future. But um, you know, it's hard not to go back to the computer. It's just so versatile. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to kind of map out mentally what I want to do for my next album and. It's definitely going to be a combination of just all all the skills that I've developed. You know, I'm going to try to bring even some guitar into it. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm just uh, you know, it's it's this weird thing. You get into modular, and then you get this kind of weird like punk rock purist thing that you get on, where it's like it's got to be in the rack, and uh, that luckily that goes away pretty quick. I think for a lot of people, because oh, my favorite was uh, you know, I'm kind of fortunate. I've had a lot of great mentors, and I'm I'm reasonably versed in what. You know, the engineering side of what goes into a, a module, but mm-hmm. my favorite was is has been this recent resurgence of people being like, Oh, you rack it's uh it's so analog. And <laughs> I'm like, You yeah, you got more CPUs in your uh case than my MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's like I've got that shape shifter and I looked on the back of it, I was just like, Oh my god, this is this is at a computer <laughs> for sure. Well, um, and, you know, things like orthogonal devices 301, I mean. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah that you know, crazy. Now you can program your own units in Lua. I mean, it's it's a computer. That thing, so that thing has a little bit of that that recall um, yes, that you were talking yes. about earlier. And yeah. it's been, it hasn't left my case since it arrived. Um, that's, uh, it's not the centerpiece because I like to play, when I play live, I like to play. You know, like I like to mm-hmm. have hands-on uh and for me you know i have a pretty tight live setup and um i could you know with the devices and with the modules that i've got in my case i could definitely almost get to that point where i press one button at the start and press one button at the end like and not that i and and just i have enough kind of control units in there where i could create a kind of event recall system that just spans out over half an hour but then i just be what would i be doing i just standing up there maybe i could go to the bar that that would (laughs) but it'd look weird if i walked off stage (laughs) but um yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I want to have, it's like it's like a drive down the road. You want to mm-hmm. stop. You want to stop some places. You want to grab some coffee. You want to, like, grab lunch. <laughs> Those are my, like, reset moments during a live set. And then what happens in between? 
who knows? Maybe we have a flat tire. Maybe we uh, veer off the road. Maybe we're humming along all sweet. So it's like, I yeah, I, I really enjoy. Um, I love that Eurac quality, and and now with things like orthogonal devices, expert sleepers, things like that, and now with Qubit, there's some like event recall, and that's kind of hitting that sweet spot for me. Yeah, that's it's nice to hear how you're talking about live because it's something live performance with modular. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and and I've just kind of been trying to peek over people's shoulders when I'm playing at you know modular on the spot or or whatever. And mm. something that I'm personally trying to, you know, just figure out for myself is how how to do a performance and be fully engaged. And and right now a lot of that is I've got this uh, little Zorx uh, ribbon controller which I can, mm. which has been a lot of fun. And but the rest of it has kind of been through like um, fading in and out, you know, mixing in different parts together and, and using some switches and then these allscape or these all flesh from uh, landscape FM are pretty great too. But um, mm. it's, it's cool to hear someone as versed as yourself kind of, you know, laying it out that it, you don't want to just push start. Like that's one of the reasons I got out of using Ableton is I didn't get good enough at it to where it wasn't me just, you know, triggering samples at the right time or right. something. So I don't know. Do you have any advice to us, us uh, young modularites <laughs> getting started with live performance? Well, I, no, on it, my only advice is don't get wrapped up in following your friends just because they the, they've got a bigger credit card limit than you <laughs> or, or whatever it might be. Uh, don't get wrapped up in the, you, you, you know, you can do a lot with little. Yeah. Just get just get too distance in a VCA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I get asked a lot for advice, and my biggest number one advice now, because like years ago when I started in modular, things like this didn't exist. But VCV rack, the mm -hmm. virtual modular, is incredible. I mean, the you know. It's actually just taken the code, the the exact code from clouds and made it a virtual module. Like it, it actually is the clouds code. That is amazing. And yeah, because Olivier like has worked with, uh, I forgot right. the gentleman's name, but yeah. Yeah, I was just messing around with it last it's night amazing. Uh, the other night. It's and a, I it's mean, so you, you literally can make patches on there and then turn around, do it on the real hardware and it will sound pretty damn close. And yeah. Okay. So my advice is to just, Get get that. Try stuff out. Work out what works for you. I mean, that's what we didn't get into. Mod module is not about following each other. I mean, <laughs> once that starts <laughs> happening, then we might as well just go back to buying, you know, Nords and and completed synthesizers that are <laughs> like closed system. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, no doubt. Make it make it your own. Do your own thing because that's where you'll find your like voice, your sound, and that's mm -hmm. I think ultimately where. Where, what we want to do, you know? Right. It's great that there's a modular revolution happening right now, but let's push it sonically. Yeah. Well, speaking of finding your own sound, that's a great great way to segue into uh, starting to unpack Spectra a little bit. Because sure. one of the things that I, I notice um, about it is it is this album has a genetic code. Like every song is part of one organism, yet they all like stand alone. They're all standalone pieces. And that's one of my, my favorite qualities about an album is something where it's clearly one piece. There's a, 
there's a, a, a clear through line of it, but it, you know, it doesn't feel redundant track to track. You still feel like you're getting something fresh and yeah, I'm trying to formulate a question out of, out of that, but it's, it, that seems very intentional. And it seems like there were a few things that you kind of use sonically as maybe a a tie together. And I want to see how intentional that was if I'm right, but it sounds like you were using like maybe tape noise is a, is a through line with it. And it also seems like there's some sort of like buzzsaw abrasion that sticks with it, (laughs) even though it gets really beautiful at moments. Um, yeah, did did I did I totally just butcher the album? No, no, <laughs> you did fine. Nice work, Tim. <laughs> uh, yeah, the album is very uh, broad, in, and I will say broad in it. Like it, it, you know, I developed as a per. Like I wouldn't say I'd, I developed. You're constantly developing your sonic character and in your artistic practice, and of course, this album was made over a couple of years. And that developed, but personally, I developed a lot as a person. Like, through the course of this album, I really learned uh, environmentally to love Los Angeles. That's a hard thing to do. It's an <laughs> abrasive city. Yeah. It can be really hard to work out where you fit in Los Angeles. And the other thing is, LA is amazing. There's a lot of people here. You can meet a lot of people, but. It's hard to find your people, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a city where everyone's like, what can you do for me kind of thing? Oh, well, you can't do anything. Bye. Yeah. Uh, finding a, a like-minded community. So, yeah, there's a lot of modular on this record. I discovered during the making of this record, some of the earlier tracks was when I uh, became aware, which was pretty early on in the the start of Modular on the Spot, and I met Barner and Eric and found this amazing community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that really helped me to, you know, not, not, not that I made a full Modular album, but it helped me to, like, find some awesome artists, some awesome creators. We all collaborated on shows and made shows happen, live performances, and, and just inspired me to, like, look at Los Angeles and my environment differently. Wow, that's that is really interesting because I've I've heard I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts that are based down in L.A. and that seems to be it. It seems to kind of take sometimes three to five years for people to settle in. I've heard a lot of people say, "I've you know I hated it here forever, and now I finally feel like I found that." So I'm I'm very happy to hear that you you I found really that think community. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I mean, and people will come here. Uh, and six months or one year in, you know, they can't believe how brutal it is. <laughs> and uh, or they think the other the other one is where it tricks you, and you think, oh, I've got, I've I've totally got the hang of it, you know. And then two <laughs> years later, you look back at your one year self, and you're like, oh my god, I was still a still an LA noob. <laughs> it takes a while, and I mean, funnily how how it's helped. How I two things that helped me get the grip on this city was uh, cycling around it, which is not I, a lot of people don't do that. But I've cycled all over Los Angeles from Mount Wilson to all through the Santa Monica Mountains. I've pretty much ridden all over LA uh, on a bicycle, and once you get those bearings, because it's a very spread out city, it starts to make more sense. 
But cycling in LA is uh, a joke, but it's kind of not a joke. Is like an extreme sport because <laughs> uh, you you know there's a lot of cars here and uh-huh. there well, are I was like, gonna why, say, is why it are you on my fast? road? Why are you on my road? <laughs> is it almost as fast as driving with how bad traffic is down well, there? Well, that or? yeah, I mean, in traffic is actually kind of when it's 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 hard to say when it's actually safer because when there's no traffic everyone's about 10 to 15 above the speed limit yeah and no one gets pulled over for it but as soon as everyone's <laughs> in traffic they jump on their cell phones checking in facebook and whatever yeah not pay, and paying like half the attention they should should be when they're driving like two tons of metal yeah yeah I it's, mean, it's scary man it's it's bad here too with i, th- I think cyclists yeah, have a pretty hard time and here. i've had some friends uh that have had some pretty severe <laughs> severe run-ins with cars <laughs> and i don't actually cycle much at all anymore oh man um, well it's you know it's cool to get your bearings around you know like my yeah. my job has made me get to know the the greater seattle area really well and it's it's definitely changed my perspective on how i view the city and and the way i can navigate through it and it it is it's a and i imagine just being out in it rather than being in a car you're you're like you're really getting intimate with the environment so totally yeah 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 and and you know like uh i feel for me like you know, I work remotely for Cycling 74. I could totally be the biggest hermit in the world. But <laughs> for me, the beauty of life and the beauty of creativity is ultimately like connecting with people. Yeah. I mean, making music, being able to give that out, put that out in the world, create a connection with those that listen to it. I mean, that's 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 life. That's living. That's for me. That's the best part of living. And, and getting totally out and agree. around and connecting with people. I mean, I come from a small town in Tasmania, Australia. So, you know, when you'd walk down the street, even though, you know, it was a town of 5,000 tops, uh, you didn't know everyone, but there was still a, a camaraderie. You know, like you'd walk down the street, you'd give each other a nod, you'd say hello. Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't know those people, you say hello to someone here, and there's a good chance they'll call nine one one on you. <laughs> yeah, we, we have something you know? similar up here called the Seattle Freeze, where just no one makes eye contact and just kind of stares at the ground and walks by. Which is strange for me because I'm actually from um, a little a little tiny mountain town in central Washington, and my graduating class was 84 people. So I had. I had a similar thing as you, you know, right. like we no, not everybody in town knew each other, but we all kind of knew who each other were. And it, it's definitely a lot more, more intimate. Um, but speaking of like connecting with people through music and everything, you've, you've just recently done some pretty cool shows um, for, for like the, I guess, Spectra tour. What did you, yeah. Did you, yeah. You like did New York recently and it looked like that one went really well. New York um, was amazing. Yeah. That was uh, put on by a, uh, um, outpost artist resources and it was like a mini multimedia sound festival called confetti machine put on by a guy out there called eric barry dresden okay. who if you want to look him up sometime amazing av artist and uh oh it was just like incredible honestly didn't really kind of loosely knew a few people on there but hadn't yet met them in person and it was incredible like they put on a really good sound system amazing <laughs> amazing projection setup and then they uh had like a four channel camera set up to document it all and gave us all the footage it was kind of one of those dream gigs 
Um, yeah, I saw pictures. It looked like it. It looked. I, I remember like you. You were talking about it for a little bit on on Instagram and, yeah. and whatnot, and it looked. Was, it looked like it went off really well. It was. It was worth every every second to go out there. It was amazing. Yeah, and then had an amazing uh, launch here in Los Angeles at uh, Zebulon with with a couple of really great artists. Um, Susie Pauling goes by the name of Pud Blot. She's she's based here in Los Angeles, and she's a really um, uh, multidisciplinary kind of creative and has a really strong sound project called Pod Blots. Pod and then Blots, a great okay. a great musician out of New York called um uh Hero Cone and she's uh kind of like grimy uh industrial techno experimental it's not it's not really it's hard to really describe her music in a you know even one <laughs> sentence and do it justice it's it's amazing but hero cone yeah check that out um, yeah I'm, I'm writing all this down actually so this is this will be some good but homework. yeah that was a great great launch show here in los angeles and um yeah the it, it you know speaking about the environment you was in and talking a little bit about what i'm inspired by in the album like so one of the reviews that came in from for spectra which kind of nailed it was like you know, like it's uh, it's envir- environmental music without being ambient. Oh, and I yeah, I can see that. That was really interesting for me, like to hear that because I, you know, I hadn't, I couldn't even sum it up in that sh- in that kind of few <laughs> words. And I was like, you know what? That's I could use that as the sum up of the album. Yeah, no, I think that totally works. And 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 speaking to that point, I think what what I what I really liked about it initially is. I, I got it on Bandcamp without. I just got it without listening to it, um, and because I, I just like to do that. If I if if it just seems intriguing, I'm just gonna get it. And and I, I definitely that first track, one fell swoop, definitely popped every bubble of expectation I had about it because I thought it would be a little bit more. I thought it was gonna be an ambient album, to be honest. And then that <laughs> first track comes in and hits, and I was like, oh shit, this is this isn't what I expected, and it's way way cooler. Like. <laughs> the way you the way you cut stuff up and and kind of I, I kind of speaking of that I want to unpack the uh, a piece of this little blurb on the uh, the label website Ellie Records which it was released on it says that uh, you merging a daily practice of experimentation the research of, on polyrhythms and syncopation and the use of mathematical formulas connected with our world like that is that's a lot for an album description and i kind of wanted to see if you could help me unpack all of that like yeah i mean some of that. i have a few different interests in my creative practice and um you know the environment has always been something that i've been very close to and you know growing up in a, a rural location with a lot of forest and things like that uh on a farm i spent countless hours literally just wandering through the forest with a mm-hmm. with a dog a dog by my side <laughs> and i didn't need anything more for in life for a while you know like it was uh, i'd probably still be happy to be doing that as long as someone was paying the bills <laughs> um you know and it still uh is ingrained in me so you know and a way for me to like make sense of it and to reference the environment because you know i like using field recordings and actually um have been doing a lot of field recordings recently myself, but they've not, they weren't really integrated into this album at all. Okay. Um, 
And I've got countless gigabytes of field recordings from <laughs> 10 years back. And it's that's actually another point. I'm going off topic, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, for me, uh, a way to kind of like use the environment in a in a kind of like alternate way is to unravel some of the mathematical formulas that represent it. So things like Fibonacci numbers, um, you know, binary codes and binary chains, things that are mathematically formulas that represent things like the universe or the way that nature grows. Um, uh-huh. Something else that I've been looking at is um, translating data that represents, you know, say things geographically and then converting that to binary numbers and then using those binary numbers to drive a sequencer. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but, you it's, know, I don't, at the same time, I don't want to make it all about mathematical formulas because. Right. There's guys out there that take that to the nth degree, you know, guys uh-huh. like Ryoji Aikida and Mark Fell and so on, who I adore, but they, you know, they take things to another point. Um, so in one fell swoop was a combination of like, uh, you know, like syncopated polyrhythms that came out of some of this analysis of the environment. And then I took those numbers and converted them to MIDI and then orthogonal devices, ER101, has this amazing thing where you can literally just drop on a MIDI file and it'll convert it to a sequence. Oh, man. And then you can use those control voltages for anything. You can use them for, you know, driving a melodic line or as a control line or event. Um, you know, that's where binary uh, is really interesting because... You can translate that over to the modular and get like a zero to one, which is basically an on-off, right? Mm-hmm. Start running that through switches and you get all sorts of amazing sounds. Wow. Yeah. That's so, awesome. <laughs> so you're, you know, so you're taking these pieces of data and then finding the interesting bits and then using those, it sounds like. you know, like Yeah, I mean, not everything sounds... It depends. You know, sometimes uh, I like to play with dissonance, so I'm not always going for something that's harmonically pleasing to the ear. Yeah, um, like la- Last Retreat, the last track on the, the record yeah, seems to be a little bit melodic. that way. Yeah. But, then, but then that pushes something else which is funny about time and space. You know, like, it does go on rather long. It's very subtly evolving, I do wonder how many people play it right through. <laughs> uh, it's a journey in itself, that song, that track. It, it really is. Um, but I feel like it pays off. Like, I feel like it has a payoff. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's what I love about using dissonance in music. I was actually just talking, our, our most recent episode was with R. Benny. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his stuff. I, I know Austin pretty well. Um, oh, good. We communicate a lot online. Uh <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't gotten to hang out so much. We've been scheduled to play multiple shows now, and they've all got—they've not happened for different reasons. One of them was I broke my hand and had to <laughs> bow out. Another was that we were meant to play in just a, this weekend actually in San Diego, but the venue is no longer exists because it got shut down or something. Oh no, that's too bad. Uh, yeah, well, it's cool to hear you guys are buddies because we were we were talking about the same thing. And just how 
just using dissonance and 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 you know abrasion to and tension for the sake of breaking it is is sometimes the most fun thing to do with oh with most a song. definitely most definitely and you know space is important and and space and volume and uh, or or you know silence as well I mean mm-hmm. it's you know I spent some time when I lived back in Australia working with. Um, you know, different improvisers and playing with different types of musicians. And, um, yeah, you just start to learn that, you know, that old idea of less is less is more sometimes, you know, it's like, it's like not, it's like what you didn't say is sometimes yeah. more important than what you did say. I think that's the next, that's my next lesson I need to fully realize in my creative brain. Like everything I've ever made, I, I'm, I'm very proud of it's very busy and there is, there is space there, but there's not a lot of empty space. And mm. and that's something I'm trying to explore more. Um, now, one of the reasons I wanted to get into modular was to try to explore this. Cause it, I feel like it's easy to get in. It's easy to develop habits with, with gear or certain, you know, means of recording or whatever. So for me, it was a way to totally shake it up and get something that I had to com- just approach kind of blind and, and new, right. you know, and uh, it's it's actually been working out nicely where I've been doing it long enough now to where I found a new thing I can do while taking some of the old pieces, you know, some of the the stuff that I still would find valuable about my old right. way of making music. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's that's awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, yeah, it's important to give it space too. I mean, I I'm not you know I like to. I go through phases that I'll be on the modular obsessively like every evening two weeks in a row and then I won't touch it for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on what I'm working on, you know, or what's what's coming up, a live show, I'll inevitably be on it more. But, um, yeah, I think space in, in the practice and the development of tracks and music and is, is important as well. Uh, yeah. Totally but, agree. Um, <clears throat> that yeah. makes so something else I wanted to ask, and, and and you kind of kind of detailed a little bit with the the taking the the binary stuff, you know, taking the the mathematical equations and and finding a way to mm. use it. I was the when when listening to this, and and I'm totally using myself as my own mirror, like projection screen. So I could be way off, but it sounds like. Maybe some like a lot of the sounds that you made were maybe made with a module, or maybe made with a type of synthesizer, and then recorded into this DAW. But then ultimately, kind of plucked out of that environment and thrown in a whole new environment to sculpt it or something. It, it, that's just kind of the sense I get. It feels like the stuff's been been taken to places it it maybe wasn't going to go, and then just kind of got a new life breathed into it i don't know if i explained that very well no i i yeah i mean some of these some of these pieces were i mean i can tell you that uh basically last retreat was a you know kind of idea and and melody that i'd been playing along with for a while and working on the easel and then literally pretty much did that in one take and right okay okay yeah and the way it sounds so deep is a little Buchla trick where you can basically use a kind of like a dummy buffer delay pedal and you can feed the Buchla synth line back into itself because it has this auxiliary input that you can run back into it. Ooh. 
And I don't. It's really one of these things I just don't see a lot of people using. And it, um, if you use it wisely, it can result in some pretty incredible sonic results. I mean, you can actually run. You can use, you know, run the Buchla back through the whole wave folder um, filter section without running it through the oscillators. Wow. I, so I if wish you use I had a delay pedal and you, like, if you have a de- delay pedal or something that you can kind of set a certain specific bar length and you're playing roughly at that BPM, you can mm-hmm. start to double sound up, kind of, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was basically one take, and then, but there's a few other tracks like "Vast Limitations" was a, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate to meet some phenomenal musicians, and I don't want to name drop or take away from the um, the, <laughs> the podcast, but these guys are like top tier uh, festival folks and whatever, and yeah, I, I happened to meet them through working at Cycling Seventy Four, and. I usually just talk to them candidly, and we rarely even talk about music, in fact. Um, this one guy was like, oh, man, st- like my deep love is still for the old Nord Modular, but you know the one that really like is phenomenal and you can coax a lot of amazing sounds out of is the Nord Lead 2. And I said to him, I have that. I said that was actually <laughs> my first like big boy synth that I bought. And it's been with me for decades now, and it oh, really, co- it really kind of inspired me to go and dig right back into it. And he's like, just start with blank, blank page, and just dig right into it. And that's vast limitations. And that was like a couple of takes. Wow. Well, um, Tom, <laughs> Tom, I got to tell you, I've got a Nord lead too in the other room that has been collecting dust because I just, I kind of became disinterested in it so now that you're saying this you're i don't know if you just opened up a whole new can of worms for it's me a beast of a synth <laughs> uh, do you know there's like a uh, easter egg in that synth too that mo- like some people don't know about it but it's this super massive operator fm mode uh it's called the peel mode oh uh, i hadn't heard of that that this engineer added to it before it was released you've got to do this <laughs> sequence of things to make it to put it into the peel mode but it's wild I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, if you Google Pill Mode, uh, P-E-E-L, uh, P-E-L you'll, mode. you'll find it. It's pretty it's wild. All right. I'm going to have to do that. It's amazing for, for making really unique samples, like FME kind of like squeeches, squeals, glitch. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah, that's, that sounds right up my alley. Um, so we're, we're closing in on, uh, getting close to maybe having you do a patch, but before we do that, I, I really, I like the, the production and just your use of panning and, and just mixing everything. Did, did you mix this? And if so, did you kind of get everything sounding the way you wanted to sound mostly before recording it? Or how much of this was made in the box? Because there's a lot of little, Easter eggy things that I think you can find if you're listening on headphones. Yeah, and it's definitely an album I I feel that, and it tends to be the case with a lot of my albums. Is um, you know, although they have space, there's some deep textural kind of sections where you know, it rewards uh, return listeners. Absolutely, that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think uh, you know. 
I work a pretty tight kind of setup here in my studio, and so I'm I'm lucky to have gear that's kind of interconnected via ADAT and things like that. So I tend to get all my levels pretty right before I start recording. There was some post DAW based um, mixing for just to kind of like tune the highs and the and the bass. You know, usually one of them was dominating a little more than I I wanted to or something. So. I would try to multi-track as much as possible, but sometimes with the modular, depending on the patch you have or what you're doing, it's not possible to multi-track out everything. So sometimes yeah. something is combined and it's not ideal, so you've got to try and get it as good as possible before you record. So there was some level of it, but it was not a point where like every singular sound was multi-tracked and mixed and... No, it was not to that point, but that, that gives me hope because it sound it sounds just so carved out and intentional, like every sound. So yeah, it's, that's that's very that's good to hear because I'm kind of thinking ab about how I'm gonna approach this next thing. Um, I was so yeah. fortunate, and I I have to say that uh, you know like I spent some time on it, and uh, I have some good plugins and was able to like but you know i did send it off to be mastered and eli records used a guy called emmanuel bastetti mm -hmm. and he's uh he's uh french-based um recording and mastering engineer and he did uh he did a fantastic job in that you know he didn't it didn't come back and i was like whoa this is not my album or like <laughs> this sounds amazing but it's not what i sent him like it, yeah. he, he just you know he just put the sugar where the sugar needed to go and we we back and forth a bit on the um on the the final mix and and mastering and um yeah i think it came out pretty solid yeah it it, it has a quality i i think the term lo-fi is overused and used incorrectly i wouldn't say that this i think Somebody could say it sounds lo-fi e, but it's it sounds produced. I don't know. I guess where I'm going with this is, did you use how much tape did you use? I know you used a little, tape a little, a little bit. but like the the tapeish sound on this. Honestly, and I I use a lot of tape in other things. A lot of tape didn't tape stuff didn't make it to this album because some of these tracks were made a few years ago before I was really pushing the tape thing. But uh -huh. I was using things like clouds <laughs> on the 8-bit yeah. mode and things like that. Actually, one of uh, our friend uh, Benny's big tricks uh, that he regularly gets asked, I see, which is really funny. He has to always tell everyone which which mode he uses on, on clouds. <laughs> but, uh, this is that 8-bit mode. Uh, that it, I find the mono and the stereo 8-bit mode uh, can give off some very tapish type um sounds but another one is that i'm just a big granular granular yeah. synthesis nut and you know when you're using that at with very fine grains it can start to give off that kind of um tape hiss type yeah yeah well sound. it was uh yeah masterfully done and i'm glad i'm glad that the uh the, the mastering worked out well for you because yeah like you said sometimes you never know what you're just handing handing uh, something off that you've been working on so long to someone else, and then having to wait to hear what they do to it. It could be kind of a, a nerve wracking experience. Yeah, so. totally. I mean, uh, I um, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to actually um, you know, and I've done multiple albums now, but it's hard to um, to 
put a stake in it it really is like putting a stake in the ground and saying like here's where I am right now because <laughs> I, you know I didn't really know I you know I didn't really know any artist who's like oh that's my definitive album and that's it <laughs> yeah I'm retiring uh yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a statement. I you know I I used to look at albums as this huge mantelpiece thing, but it my kind of perception of the music industry and everything's changed with time and uh, the commodifying of it <laughs> via things like uh, Spotify. Yeah, it's a different kind of world now, and I I do feel like releasing material. Whether it be small, even whether it be singles or EPs, or whether it even just be a piece that you put on, a, a, an extended piece, you know, not a one-minute Instagram mm-hmm. video, uh, and just putting it out there and saying, "Here's my single, here's my EP," and they're all they're all dated terms now and don't really mean a lot. But um, you know, I think it's important as a, as a creative, you know, to put a stake in the ground and say, "Here's where I am right now," and this is what I sound like right now because we're artists, we're creatives. We'll, we'll probably keep making this to the day we die or we'll obviously ideally evolve and continue to push our practices. But right. I think what I'm thankful for, because I think about it, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, I'd love to have my debut album again. It seems to make more, more. You know, it seems to get a little bit more interest if you telling everyone it's your debut. But, you know, I still like going back and looking at my past releases. And I there was times where I couldn't even listen to them. But now it actually is different because it's like I, they, I'm so far removed from them. I think yeah. my first release is a over a decade old now, <laughs> and I can appreciate it with this whole new um, outlook and set of ears. Yeah, I feel like we could do another hour on that topic. But in the spirit of what you just said of, of uh, you know, kind of putting a flag in the ground of, of who you are right now, let's let's really do that. Let's see who you are right now by drawing an adjective and a noun and seeing what kind of patch you can come up with it. All right, <laughs> So I've got the adjective envelope out here now. And uh, let's see here. Torpid. Torpid. <laughs> Torpid. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. And what is the <laughs> noun? Torpid timber. It maybe not make, doesn't make much sense, but it, uh, it, it phonetically works out pretty nice. It sounds pretty good. I feel like that could be a, yeah. I think I like we're that. both Googling what torpid means. Unless um, you. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear me typing. <laughs> Oh, I can work with that. Torpid. All right, just a quick interruption. I want to show you a new fun way to use the bleeding hearts from recovery effects. But first, let's check out this dry signal. Got a make noise STO being uh, controlled. The, uh, the little shape input being controlled by the make noise function. Just to give it a little more character. Now, let's run that through the bleeding hearts. Okay, nice fuzzy aspect added to it, but now I took a bunch of different sources, CV and audio, and fed them through uh, the Zero HP from Mystic Circuits uh, VCA series. So, let's do a first one. Uh, This is the Ring Mod out, 
uh, from the woggle bug. That's going into the pressure in. That's kind of neat. Now, let's add an LFO to the starve. Now, what was really cool is I took the sub out from the STO and added it to the destroy in. But again, all of this is going through uh, a 0 HP VCA from Mystic Circuits being controlled by a different clock. So let's add this final CV in there. And just for good measure, let's run it through the DLD from 4MS. I hope you enjoyed that. Go check out the Bleeding Hearts at recoveryeffects.com. So, so your words were torpid timber, um, and how did those influence uh, you approaching making that into a, 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 a sonic landscape? Yeah, I was uh, I was going for more of a um, feminine quality without being contra you know without trying to be controversial, but um, you're trying to think a little more about um, the the way I approach the modular and less of a kind of um, masculine form uh mm -hmm. which tends to in my interpretation tends to be you know aggression yeah uh, and distortion uh but inevitably they made it in there um <laughs> <laughs> every, uh, yeah. it happens to be every time i'm gonna make something nice sounding yeah. oh i just love distortion <laughs> i mean yeah as you as you I, as i think you know like darwin and i touched on that and um yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I just love distortion. I love how it coaxes out those harmonics that you just you wouldn't otherwise know that were there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and something about destruction as well. That's the real like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm right there so, with you. It's not very feminine at all, actually. But. <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny how it gets away from you. Like you have the intent, and then it comes out the other end just. I'm getting better at, 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 you know, guiding my intent, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, but I think it came out pretty good. Uh, it started off really subtle and he evolved into, uh, and it was kind of like I, I went with two, two kind of styles. Uh, one was very syncopated at the start and then, um, moved into a more like, kind of like, uh, repetitive um melody that evolves around you know harmonics and then moved into this more improvised um kind of uh sequence that i've been playing around with on orthogonal devices and actually actually feel like i got to a really sweet spot on it um that i haven't been able to get to with it yet so that was rather oh, pleasing awesome um, and these are actually two pieces and this tends to be how I work. These are evolutions of pieces that I've been playing around with for a few months. And once I get them to a certain spot, that's when I'll um, hit record, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, I kind of took the words there and, and then pushed those onto the, some, you know, where the module is at right now. And pretty happy with what, it, what I came up with. So. Right on. Well, I'm very much looking forward to hearing it. Um, now, did you did you already track 
or did you track it? Yeah, I just pressed record and um, I just that's why we weren't recording right just a second ago because I switched the inputs on uh, on Ableton so I recorded it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Right on. Yeah. Well, um, how how did you how did you feel with with having a like a, a such a short time constraint? You know, I, I mean, it's it's good because inevitably we all do it. We sit down at the modular or whatever and. You know, time seems to travel uh, four times speed, and mm -hmm. um, next thing you know, two hours have gone by, and you've not moved off the same melody. <laughs> so, you know, knowing that I had this constraint, and knowing that I, you were going to call me back in fifteen minutes, I'm like, oh, I better come up with something. But it was interesting because you know, it's not like I, I didn't honestly, I didn't prepare. So I, I literally turned the modular on when we. Uh, after you gave me the words, I literally turned it on. I love uh, it. Because I've been, what's happening? been home all day. Uh, <laughs> so it was kind of fun because I spent a minute just being like, oh, where is everything at right now? Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, and, you know, I think it came out all right. So, um, yeah.
thank you so much for for joining me tonight. It was uh, this this flew right by, went went very well. I anticipate very little editing, which I love. So thanks for being, <laughs> yeah, thanks for spending your time with us tonight. And uh, if there's anything else you want to say about where people can find your dates and your your albums and yeah, I mean, I generally post pretty regularly daily almost on instagram it's kind of like my uh i really do just think of instagram like like an open artist diary so to speak um and it keeps me honest in that it keeps me like pushing my stuff uh, yeah. so it's not like putting up the same repetitive thing all the time and um so that's a good spot to just see what i'm up to and i usually post about gigs and shows and and releases and whatnot there and then i have a website which is tomhall.com.au still an old australian url but it <laughs> seems to work for me so um there's that and um yeah it's, it's pretty much the, the two spots to just get the latest lowdown right on yeah well very cool and uh, yeah, I guess with that, en enjoy the rest of your night, and hopefully uh, we can keep in touch. This was a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Tim. I really enjoyed it, and um, you know, shout out to uh, to all you modular folks out there um, that I see online and on Instagram. Everyone is inspiring. It's it's a, such a great movement. Twentieth episode. Thank you guys, and remember to check out RecoveryEffects.com, AISynthesis.com. And if you want to help us out, patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. Until next week.